When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Healthy Versus Toxic, the podcast where licensed mental health professionals explore what makes a relationship healthy or unhealthy or even abusive, all from a scientifically informed perspective. Hello, this is Dr. Grande. Today's question asks, do narcissists become more or less destructive with age? I have another question asking, can individuals or society do anything to decrease narcissism? So when we talk about the origins of narcissism, we know that it has many ties to childhood experiences. And if somebody is a narcissist as an adult, in almost every case, they were narcissistic when they were an adolescent, even if they didn't express narcissism to a large audience. So even if it wasn't really noticed by a lot of people around them, the narcissism was still there. Narcissism is a set of personality traits, and we know that personality traits don't change quickly. So it's not surprising that narcissism would not change quickly. You can't simply ask somebody to snap out of being narcissistic. That won't be effective, just like you couldn't ask somebody to stop being extroverted or conscientious. But over time, personality traits can change somewhat. So I think the idea with these questions would be, what can we do to encourage a reduction in narcissism from adolescence to adulthood? The behaviors that are reinforced every day are the ones that are going to have an effect on narcissism. Again, no one big grand move can make somebody stop being narcissistic. So what are those behaviors? What daily activities and circumstances can decrease narcissism? To answer these questions, I'll be using a number of articles, which is pretty common for my videos. Here, I'll be heavily relying on two articles in particular, both published in late 2019. One of them looks at narcissism from adolescence to middle age, and the other looks at narcissism from adolescence to older adulthood. So as we take a look at narcissism in light of these questions, we see that older adults tend to look at young adults as being highly narcissistic. So there's this idea that narcissism has been on the rise everywhere. And there's actually a good deal of evidence to support this idea that narcissism has been increasing. Although some researchers believe that it hasn't been increasing at all or that it's even been decreasing. And what's actually happening is that narcissism decreases as people grow older. So older adults are really aware of the discrepancy between their own levels of narcissism, which would be relatively low, compared to the narcissism of younger adults, which would be relatively high. So essentially, these researchers are saying that there are changes in narcissism levels across the lifespan, but not changes across historical time. 
So this is an interesting controversy we see played out in the research literature. Again, there's people on both sides of this argument. There is strong evidence for the idea that there are higher levels of narcissism evident in recent history. We also see lower levels of empathy and higher attachment avoidance in recent history. However, I can understand the skepticism. It's always good to be careful and consider other possibilities. Another possibility I don't see discussed as much, perhaps as narcissists get older, they are more careful about expressing narcissism. So as people grow older, they learn that narcissism isn't popular with the general population. So you're going to attract negative attention if you act in a narcissistic way. So maybe the narcissism levels remain the same or close to the same, but the expression, the manifestation of narcissism decreases. This is just a thought I have. It's not really tied to any particular research that I could find. Now, this idea that narcissism levels have been increasing over historical time doesn't mean that there isn't a discrepancy in narcissism levels between younger adults and older adults. Both things could be happening at the same time. Both principles could be true. So as we explore this topic further, let's take a look at narcissism. So narcissism can be described and measured in a variety of ways. All the definitions of narcissism involve low agreeableness. So we see grandiose narcissism. That's when somebody's socially dominant, arrogant, they have superficial charm, they're resistant to criticism, and they tend to be extroverted. We see vulnerable narcissism. This is when somebody has difficulty trusting others. They're hypersensitive to criticism, unforgiving. They have high levels of shame and low extroversion, so they're introverted. We see this mental disorder called narcissistic personality disorder, NPD, and this disorder has symptoms like fantasies of success and power, believing oneself to be special or unique, a sense of entitlement. It really reflects grandiose narcissism more so than vulnerable. Another way to look at narcissism is to look at the three facets listed in the narcissistic personality inventory, the NPI. This is a test that's often used in research to measure levels of narcissism. The three facets on the MPI are entitlement, vanity, and leadership. Entitlement is considered the most destructive in relationships. It's associated with tending to devalue other people. Vanity is when people focus too much on their achievements and their physical appearance. They want to be the center of attention. They have a dysfunctional level of pride. Vanity is associated with having grandiose fantasies of wealth, power, and success. Leadership is considered the most adaptive facet, or one could argue the least maladaptive. It's associated with extroversion, high self-esteem, and a desire to have a supervisory role. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to the Bravery Academy. My name is Emma Ferris and I'm your host. This podcast is crafted to share the stories of courageous individuals who have overcome adversity and found the courage to live their best lives. We'll explore the science of well-being, courage and connection, and interview top thought leaders, game changers, and survivors. And it's from these stories that we learn what resilience is, how to heal, how to recover, and how to be brave. Now, in studying narcissism to see if it changes over time, 
we often consider the five-factor model of personality. I remember the five factors through the acronym OCEAN, openness to experience, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. We see that as people age, they tend to become more conscientious, more agreeable, and less neurotic. Sometimes this change is simply referred to as maturity. One could argue that this movement on these personality traits is how we define maturity. Narcissism, of course, is often thought of as the opposite of maturity. As I mentioned before, grandiose narcissism is associated with high extroversion and low agreeableness, and there seems to be some connection to the self-control component of conscientiousness, specifically low self-control. So if people become more agreeable and more conscientious as they grow older, it makes sense that narcissism may decrease as people grow older. So what do we see in the research literature? Well, I talked about these three facets on the MPI, entitlement, vanity, and leadership. All three tend to decrease as people grow older, which seems like good news. However, several other observations were made regarding life events like career trajectories, and some of these findings are not as reassuring. What we see here is that individuals who did not end up in supervisory positions had a fairly marked decrease in their levels of narcissism. But narcissists who managed to obtain supervisory roles, which is defined as any role where somebody has authority over another, their level of narcissism did not drop as much. So two theories can emerge here. Narcissism leads to people wanting to pursue supervisory roles, and supervisory roles reinforce narcissism, preventing it from decreasing as quickly. It would appear that narcissism is maintained in the long run when it's useful. So if organizations keep promoting individuals who are highly narcissistic, those individuals will have no reason to second-guess the utility of their own narcissistic traits. So there'll really be no motivation there for them to develop insight and to look at those traits and wonder if those traits are really helpful or pro-social or good. Now, there can be elements of both of these theories that occur, and that's probably what's happening. We can't do much about narcissism leading to people wanting to be in supervisory roles. But society can do something about giving narcissists these types of jobs. Again and again in the research literature, we see that one of the worst things that can happen to an organization is to promote narcissists into positions of authority. And now we see that not only is this destructive to the organization and everyone who works there, but it can actually prevent the narcissist from recovering. Why does this keep happening? Why don't organizations realize that promoting narcissists is destructive to everyone? There are many reasons, but I'll go over two important ones that really stand out for me. The first is that selection processes are vulnerable to superficial charm. Often these decisions made by organizations are made very quickly from a relatively short interview. Interviewers often rely on how they feel about a candidate instead of objective, concrete evidence. And narcissists have superficial charm. They are very convincing in the short run, much more convincing than non-narcissists. As it turns out, that's all they need to get ahead in many organizations. The second difficulty is that companies don't fix hiring and promotion errors. They don't want to admit that they were deceived by the narcissist. Organizations need to recognize that when they make a mistake, that's not a failure at a larger level. The real failure is refusing to accept that they made a mistake, refusing to accept the truth, refusing to correct the situation. That's the true failure in these situations. Everybody makes mistakes when it comes to narcissists. Many people are deceived by narcissists every day. 
The real failure is not recognizing the pattern and correcting the situation. Another interesting and worrisome finding that we see in the research was about vanity. Individuals who are higher on vanity are more likely to be in unstable relationships, less likely to remain in relationships as long as individuals who score low in vanity, and more likely to divorce. So here again, we see that society keeps rewarding physical attractiveness, even though it's not associated with anything useful. It's not tied to prosocial behavior. It's not tied to intelligence or productivity. It's not tied to empathy or kindness. Physical attractiveness is unrelated to all those constructs. Interestingly, though, individuals who had a higher level of vanity tended to have better physical health. The theory here is that they're more focused on their appearance. Therefore, they work harder to maintain it which also leads to non-appearance-related health benefits. So what's the bottom line when it comes to encouraging a reduction in narcissistic traits as people grow older? Well, I think two things really stand out. We need a lack of reinforcement for antisocial behavior and positive reinforcement for prosocial behavior. On the lack of reinforcement side, in order to extinguish a behavior, we need to stop rewarding the behavior. A few examples. Narcissist recruiting agents to help them harm others, the so-called flying monkeys, which is a reference to the Wizard of Oz. Sometimes these people cooperate with the narcissist out of fear of becoming a target of the narcissistic behavior. But that only rewards the narcissist and allows them to harm more victims. The last item here is telling the narcissist they are great or talented when it's not true, just to avoid having to deal with them. It may seem expedient at the time, but again, this only reinforces the behavior. On the reinforcing positive behavior side, a few examples there. Rewarding empathic behavior. If we see narcissists behaving in a way where they're demonstrating empathy to other people, they're cognitively understanding how other people feel and acting on that, that's a positive prosocial behavior that should be recognized. Another item, recognizing when the narcissist expresses appreciation for someone else's abilities or talents. That really doesn't happen too often, but the key here is to reinforce it when it does happen. And the last item in terms of reinforcing positive behavior, being supportive when the narcissist reaches out for help, like when they want to consider mental health counseling. Reducing the stigma of pathological narcissism benefits everybody. It's possible to recognize that narcissism is harmful without being judgmental. As it turns out, it may be necessary to avoid being judgmental in order to achieve a reduction in narcissism. So we can be concerned about the rise in narcissism levels. We can protect ourselves by keeping distance when appropriate from people who are narcissistic, but still recognize that narcissists are human beings and they may not have insight into their behavior all the time. But when we do see some insight and they do kind of look toward again, mental health counseling or other ways to get support, that should be encouraged. That's a way to ultimately reduce levels of narcissism. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. The producers for this show are Christopher Breitigan and Madison Linden. The executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. For more content, please visit our website at arslonga.media. To leave feedback or suggestions, send an email to info at arslonga.media. 
To find more content from Dr. Grande, including a link to his YouTube channel and his other Ars Longa podcasts, visit our website at arslonga.media. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical or mental health advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page.